What's up, homies? It's Dia, your wellness homegirl, and welcome back to another episode of the Unprecedented Wellness Podcast, a podcast where we get into the nitty-gritty conversations that help us to be able to live our best lives. Baby, over here, we embrace all things real, raw, and transparent. Why? Because we're family over here, and we can talk about the vulnerable things. Today, we're going to be diving into what even is wellness, right? It's become such a buzzword that companies use to market us different things. But we're going to break down what does that actually mean, what does that actually look like, and why should you incorporate that into your lives. And today, I have the pleasure of having this conversation with the one, the only, Kim Graham. (laughs) Hello. Hey, girl. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Glad to be here. I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to have you here. So, homies, it would be a disservice to jump into the topic without letting you know our one and only homegirl, Miss Kim. So, we're going to do a little guest speed dating so that we can get to know her a little bit better. So, first up, how would you describe yourself in three words? I would describe myself as creative. Mm. Um, I would say that I'm a visionary Mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid to be different. I love that. That's important. That's important. What do you do? I am the director of an academy at Delaware State University. It's the Trauma Academy Mm -hmm. and it, uh, we have a certificate healing trauma through an African-centered lens Mm -hmm. and it focuses on looking at the difference between how we have been um, socialized to have a Eurocentric lens about everything and assume that's the only approach Mm. to wellness and exposing people to other choices that are out there so that we can better meet the needs of people who are more resistant to seeking counseling and therapy. That's important because, you know, not everybody comes from a Eurocentric background. Um, so I love that you're illuminating those things. What are the three biggest or most important things that are happening in your life right now? Three biggest, most important things. One is the development of this program. Mm-hmm. This program is in its third year. Okay. So it's still a little baby. Right. And one aspect of the program, besides getting the word out about the certificate, Mm -hmm. is we are developing a model of peer-to-peer support Mm -hmm. on campus Mm -hmm. so that uh, we're able to break the stigma around wellness amongst uh, students on the HBCU campus Mm -hmm. by students. So that's really, really big. Uh, The other is I have some dreams of my own Mm -hmm. around uh, constructing uh, wellness experiences mm. that are culturally based, arts based, mm-hmm. and so you know, time keeps on slipping into the future. Girl, we're gonna have to get you together. <laughs> we're gonna get so you together. We have to. I have to start knocking some of those things mm-hmm. off of my off of my plate. And the other is uh, the reality of navigating. Um, my own wellness um, uh, following the loss of my mother and really thinking about what lessons are for me to learn Mm -hmm. from that for myself and also to be able to, I believe I learned to teach, Mm. you know, so what I experience also helps me 
to share yeah. with other people as well. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm so happy to hear that you're turning what most people will look at as a very negative experience, you know, into a positive yeah. experience. And then last but certainly not least, what is your favorite self-care activity? The beach. Girl, you and me both, we got a, we got a connection the point beach. on that one. Yes. We got a connection point on that one. All right, homies. Well, now that you've gotten the opportunity to learn a little bit more about Kim, we are now going to dive into the nitty gritty, the meat and the potatoes. We have got to hop into our Let's Talk About It segment. So first up, I feel like we got to define what does wellness and self-care actually mean? Wellness to me means mind, body, and soul mm. being whole. Mm. And I think that it starts from the innermost part of yourself yes. and being in tune and in harmony with yourself. Mm -hmm. And then that extends to how we interact and connect with people Absolutely. around us. And I think that um, it is multidimensional mm -hmm. and we have to not leave one part out yeah. to give attention to another. Absolutely. You know, when I think about connecting with that mind, body, and soul, I think that then leans back into those eight dimensions of wellness, which I think they kind of fall into mm -hmm. one of those three categories. Yes. And like you said, they are kind of pouring into one another. When one is not taken care of, it's hard for the other ones to yes. be taken care of yes. as well. Um, so I kind of want to go back to something that you mentioned during our speed dating of, you know, in your, your job role, looking at wellness outside of a Eurocentric mm -hmm. lens, which I think is typically what people are used to of looking at wellness. So how does wellness look differently for people based off of, you know, their culture, who they are, and things of that nature? Well, one way is based on uh, your is your own culture, mm -hmm. you know, and for African um, Americans, one of the first things that was stripped from us uh, when we were uh, captured was our identity yeah. and our cultural identity. And to this day, you have um, black people that don't like their skin complexion. They don't like their hair texture. We tend to have internalized the negative things that other cultures feel about us. Mm -hmm as to how we feel about each other. Mm -hmm. So one aspect is to give people the space to understand how to be who they are and be okay with it right. and for it to not take away from them. Two, um, from an African-centered perspective, spirituality is a part of everything. Mm -hmm. It's not, um, and I'm not suggesting that as believers we think differently, yeah. but Everything is, God is in everything. Yeah. And everything is somehow related to this spiritual interaction. Yeah. Um, understanding that we're all interconnected. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, it makes me think of Native Americans a lot of time, that understanding that we're connected to the earth, mm -hmm. that we're connected to nature. Mm -hmm. uh, some of those are also that. And how we, there's a word, and I'm going to, not call it by its proper name, mm -hmm. but it means ways of knowing. Okay. A lot of, you know, black folks say something said, mm. or, you know, they got this feeling, mm. and we've almost been taught 
to discount our discernment mm. and discount that non-scientific way right. of knowing something. And we've been taught that if it's not the scientific way, mm -hmm. then that means what we know is less valuable. Right. And that's a real important one. So you have, you're sitting in therapy and your therapist doesn't understand your something said. Right. So they're making you prove to them that what you yeah. sense and feel is real. Right. And that's an example of how it can impact mm. the therapeutic process. And, you know, I think that that immediately makes me think about gaslighting, right? Yes. And, and then you become somebody who's gaslighting your own self. Yes. And invalidating your own feelings and experiences. Where, you know, when we think about this wellness journey, if nothing else, you have to validate your own Absolutely. experiences to be able to know how to navigate, you know, what this journey will look yes. like for you. So how do you move out of a space of gaslighting or invalidating your own feelings and really start to check in with self? You have to take notice, mm. you know, um, one of the therapeutic um, practices that I'm studying is called Into, mm -hmm. N-T-U. Okay. And it represents um, the essence of mm -hmm. who we are. And so if you learn to pay attention to yourself, you know when you feel out of kilter. Yeah. And just beginning to notice and to be able to ask yourself, why am I out of kilter? Mm -hmm. Or noticing how you feel on a good day yeah. begins to center you in yourself mm -hmm. so that you can recognize. Uh, there's a word that we use a lot, people, I'm disillusioned, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you think about the word disillusion, it means you're not, if you're not under an illusion anymore. Mm -hmm. We are so used to living under illusion being reality wow. that when the veil is pulled away, yeah. we're heartbroken. Mm. Whether it's about how we define our own selves yeah. or how we want other people to perceive us. Yeah. So there's almost a certain amount of disillusionment mm. that goes along with being truly grounded right. to accept yourself at face value. Yeah, you know, when as you were talking, it made me think about, you know, how, how I struggled with mental health, you know, as a kid. And I gaslit my feelings all the time because there was nobody who gave me the vocabulary to mm -hmm. be able to articulate myself and what it is that I was going through. So in my mind, I was like, I guess this is just what everybody else is going yeah. through. Either that or I'm just crazy. Right. Um, and, you know, once I finally got to the point of being able to receive a diagnosis and it was like, oh, my brain just works differently or my you know, certain neurotransmitters are just not firing in the way that they're supposed right. to. Um, and I can now remove that veil and look at my reality of, I just operate differently. And in order to achieve equity, um, where I'm able to achieve the same things that another person is able to achieve who may not have the same barriers mm -hmm. as myself, you know, I just have to remove that veil and accept my reality no longer as this illusion but I'm not going through right, something. Right, exactly. And so, you know, I think in this wellness journey, people tend to have to take that hard look in the mirror and face themselves and say, you know what? These things aren't going so so good. Mm -hmm. And I am unwell in these areas of, of whatever life is. How do you cope with that hard look in the mirror? Well, you, you, you 
when you said it, it made me think about most of us don't do a good job at looking in the mirror at our physical self. Mm. Often because we have some standard of beauty that has been put up to us that we try to measure up to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about looking past your physical self and to your you know, your your personality, your behavior, all of those kinds of things, we often are still going up against some ideal mm. that nobody's going to measure up right. to, number one. Right. I, I really think that uh, if you feel good about some aspect of yourself, mm-hmm. if you have a, a nice... Uh, a support system and it doesn't have to be like 20 strong right. it could be one in your pocket mm. you know can help you feel a little safer about peeking mm-hmm. and you know you don't I, I liken it to peeling an onion mm. you know yeah. if you think of all those layers so if you're not used to being dead honest with yourself don't go Taking everything and at chopping one it time. in half. <laughs> yes, just, just start one little place. Right, and you know when I think about this wellness journey, people want to go zero to one hundred. Right, right. You know, I think once it's illuminated that you're lacking in this area, you want to fill that void as quickly as possible. Yes, but I think as we can relate, the wellness journey, you know, it doesn't look like that. No. It's not this light switch flip where it's like I'm unwell. Let me flip the switch now. I'm well, and yes. life is all good. So how do you kind of work through that journey of like taking it that one step at mm-hmm. a time and knowing when you have that one step at a time? Sometimes it's a backtrack. Sometimes yes. you got to take two steps forward. I mean, I'm sorry, two steps backwards yes. to take five steps forward. You're describing a, um, a meme that I've seen mm-hmm. where it has um, the first frame is someone going from A up to B and it says this is progress Mm -hmm. and in the next one they go up to B down to C Mm -hmm. up to F back to A and eventually up to X and then it says below it this is progress too right and so the whole concept of the journey Mm -hmm. is that wellness is really really about the journey and not about the spot the output yes because it's ongoing you can you can feel like you've got all eight cylinders popping and you might have them popping and life will (laughs) life life. Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're out of kilter again and that goes back to the noticing right oh wow i haven't been doing my meditation every morning i have i have been snippy mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. one uh, things like complaining have been like i you know like you spending a lot of time complaining yeah. Yeah. or driving and always like road rage yep. the whole time mm-hmm. and i'm like take a deep breath <laughs> or leave five minutes earlier right what, you know what can you do to not cause you right. to start your whole day off right. aggravated yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's so important. I think, you know, people, again, when they're looking at wellness professionals, they look at us like we got it all figured out. And it's like, baby, I don't. Lord. <laughs> I, I absolutely do not have it figured out. And it's still a journey even of itself. You yes. know, I think you mentioned where you have those moments where you're like, oh, I'm doing a, I'm doing a great job. And then there's other times where I'm like, 
dang, I feel like I'm starting all over right. again. And, you know, all you can do is is learn to give yourself grace in those mm-hmm. moments. Um, and like you said, just notice, I think that that's been the, the biggest note of progress that I've noticed in myself of like, even when my wellness has fallen to the wayside, I now know, oh, it is. And I can do yes. something about it. And yes. I can hit that reset button. So, you know, how do you give yourself grace in those moments where you recognize that you're not doing a good job and then use that grace to give momentum to hitting that Mm -hmm. reset button. There's, I don't know, I don't remember the statistics, but the statistics say that the average person, let's say if they make 20 statements to themselves Mm -hmm. on a given day, the likelihood is that 16 of them are negative. Wow. So we do a lot of negative self-talk. Mm. So sometimes just being intentional about saying, I messed up. Yeah. But that's okay. We're going to figure this out. Right. Because it doesn't mean you dismiss mm-hmm. the whatever's off. Mm-hmm. But no one ever progresses under shame. That's wow. just the fact yeah. of it. So if it's, if it's going to not help you move closer to your goal then how do you approach it? It's kind of like trying to teach someone how to navigate um, parenting, mm-hmm. right? Most of what you want from your child, you get from reaffirming them, yeah. from encouraging them, right. from rewarding the positive, right. not punishing the, the negative. negative yeah. And so you have to reparent yourself. Mm. That's, that's really important. You have to become that parent to yourself and speak life to yourself. Yeah, I feel like that's been such a big part of my wellness journey is, you know, I used to be that person that even just in those small moments, you know, when you when you make like a, a simple mistake, like you forget your wallet in mm-hmm. the house or whatever. And I'm like, I'm so dumb. Or I'm, you know, yes. all, all of the various comments that you can make. And, you know, I think we forget back to what you were mentioning of everything being so connected that those words have power yes. and that, you know, once you speak those things over yourself, you start to believe, oh, I'm dumb or, oh, I'm crazy or, oh, like, you know, I'm a failure, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the things are that you're, you're speaking over yourself. Um, and then how can you rewire them? And I like how you use how can you reparent yourself? Because a lot of the times we didn't have that growing up. Right. Um, and so, you know, I find myself having to stop now and be like, oh, I'm proud of you. You did a good job. You you took one step further. Um, and so, you know, thinking about the, those childhood experiences that people have. And, you know, I think with wellness being something that's a new turning point, mm-hmm. right? It's, it hasn't been something that is. It's now becoming. Um, how do you move from maybe not coming from a background where those affirmations were taught to you, where that sense of self and worth was taught to you? I used to uh, work with um, adjudicated youth, Mm -hmm. which are youth that um, have been through the legal system in some way in a detention center. And I would would also work with uh, teen moms. And one of the activities that I would do is I would sit a baby doll Mm -hmm. on a shelf and I would say, imagine this is a baby. What 
makes this baby valuable. Mm. And I would joke, it pees on you, it poops, <laughs> it cries. Yeah. And but and it has value because it is. Mm -hmm. It has value because mm. it has it has entered the right. earth's realm. Right. And so our 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 initial worth, our initial reason why we're worth fighting for mm -hmm. is that we exist. Mm. Um there's a a, a, a um a, a statement it's called they call it African mathematics but it basically goes through it took two parents four grandparents eight great grandparents right. and on and on and on to the 12th generation over 4,000 people wow. had to come together to make for you to sit in that chair over there I and got goosebumps you, for that one <laughs> yes and you carry their joys mm. their sorrows mm. their heartache because that gets into the whether you're spiritually speaking of generational curses and blessings or whether you're speaking therapeutic language of um, generational mm. and cultural trauma, right. we carry that with yes. us yes. and it informs that we're never here by mistake. Yes. It took too much effort for, for you to here. sit here mm. and that is your initial understanding of your value. Wow, that was good. That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it makes me think of a book that I read, and I, I'm hoping I'm not m misreading the title, but it didn't start with me. Mm. And how, you know, like you were mentioning, the things that our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents might have went through, how that impacts us, you know, not only just like in the environment, like the nature versus yes. nurture concept, but genetically how it impacts us. Yes. Where, you know, you think about it with women you got three generations in your body at one time. Yes. You have the, once you have a child, that child, that fetus has their eggs in there. So whatever you're going through is literally passed down, you know, yes. within three generations. Yes. And a lot of the times, the things that we struggle with in wellness wasn't us. Right. It, it was just things that have been trickled Absolutely. down generation to generation. And now we have to decide to either break that generational curse or allow it to continue. continue. Right. So how do you stand up to that? Because I think we're we're now in this realm of we've got to break the generational yes. curses for this area of wellness to be something mm -hmm. that changes. How do you decide to do something different? Well, I think people decide to do something different just the way we're having this conversation mm -hmm. now somebody giving you something to think about that you never really quite considered right. before or you recognize that what you once you something you took for granted in your thinking can have impact and change mm. because just as you were talking about the three generations forward right there are also three generations behind yeah. because most people um, know their they know their their parents they know their grandparents. They may have, if they if they don't know their great grandparent, they're being raised by a grandparent right. who, who knows their them. great yeah, grandparent, yeah, yeah. right? So there there's that three generations behind and that three generations forward mm -hmm. that are at play mm. in so many different things. Right. And I think that the light bulb comes on. It, it goes back to that way of knowing mm -hmm. in, in, in some way. Somebody says something and it clicks. Right. And you're like, now yeah. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. that that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we are able to create a space where people can recognize, no, you're not crazy. Right. What you are perceiving or what you are sensing it's is real. real. Mm -hmm. But then the question becomes, what are you going to do about right. it? Right. And so, you know, what, what comes to my mind as you were speaking was vulnerability, mm -hmm. right? Because not only on this wellness journey do you need to be vulnerable with self, but you need to be able to be vulnerable with the other people because we don't exist in a vacuum, right. unfortunately. So how do you define vulnerability and then how do you engage in that? Well, vulnerability is a state of being open. Mm. And so if you think about um, if, a, if a, a, a country or a, or a space is at war or is feeling threatened, they put all their walls up, Yeah. okay, so that they're impenetrable. Mm -hmm that there's no way of entering in. And a lot of times when we feel that life or people are against us, mm -hmm. then we put all of those worlds right. up. Now, truth be told, we're still vulnerable inside, yeah. but nobody can, can get, can, through can it. get mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. And um, But it is the place where, if I become a science geek for a moment, mm -hmm. and you talk about, permeability right. and the ability to become one mm -hmm. or to exchange essence and, sp and spirit, yeah. that means you have to be open enough mm. to have an engagement. Right. Like that if you meet someone and you've never even met them before, but you have such this warm feeling mm -hmm. after you've talked to them because somehow you took some risks with each other. Right. So it's being open and understanding that the risk of being open is potentially the risk of being harmed. Yeah. And that can be difficult. Yeah, you know, I think two big things really came to mind when you were, were going through that. Mm -hmm. One, I think for myself, I really struggled with the difference between vulnerability and transparency. Mm. In my mind, they were one and the same, mm -hmm. and they're actually not. Right. Um, and I believe I got this analogy from um, Tim Ross's podcast, The Basement, where he was saying, you know, transparency is like if you imagine you have a house, right? And the, the windows are open, the doors are mm -hmm. open, but like you have to stay from the outside. And you can look into the house, but you can only see but so much, right. right? You can't see what's in that back corner that is being hid behind, you know, that curtain over there versus vulnerability is me going out, pulling you into the house and showing you, yes. you know, all of the different corners that you just wouldn't have even been able to see from standing outside trying to look yeah. in. Um, so I had to recognize that while I was a very transparent person, I was not good at being vulnerable mm. and that vulnerability is kind of that next step. Yeah. And like you were mentioning, vulnerability comes with risk management. It comes with, you know, am I willing to put myself on the table and then it's outside of my control, yeah. right? You, you're then relinquishing control because you have no authority about how the other person or the other situation right. is going to react to what you're putting out. Yeah. But I think about, you know, <laughs> sad that I'm comparing it to this, but gambling, right? You, if you don't put anything on the table, 
you're not going to lose anything, right. but, but you're not, not going to gain anything. anything. If you put a small amount of money up, you might you could win small or you could also lose. But, you know, again, that's that risk management versus if you put a whole bunch of money up mm -hmm. there, you have the ability to maybe hit the jackpot. Right. However, you could also lose it all. Yeah. And you just have to kind of understand what situations you can do that and how much you pay into play. So how do you manage that risk? Well, you you uh, the the analogy that I use mm -hmm. are eggs in a basket, mm. and that you wouldn't give a five year old a basket full of eggs right. and telling them to carry them somewhere. Yeah, because they could all break. Mm -hmm. And so when people tell me that they don't trust, I say, well, don't give your whole basket of eggs to somebody, give, give them one right. and see how do they hold it? Right. How do they take care of it? Because back to the risk management part, if they drop it, you're not out of all dozen eggs. Right. You're out of one. Right. You know, and, and, but there's, there's something in there too, because people will make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so mm. in learning to be open, you may still get hurt. Right. And the question is, do you respond back with, you know, back to steel walls, barricade, yeah. Yeah. and um, armed gunmen mm -hmm. in front mm -hmm. again? Or do you deal with your hurt, let that part heal, and then, then try again, you know? So I think you take small bites mm. or small tests mm. And you share what you're comfortable with, right. you know, and what often happens, unfortunately, is people either are not trusters or a whole dozen trusters, right. Right. you know, and that's where you seesaw back between that. And I think, you know, to that point, I think some people have that self-fulfilling prophecy, right, where they're like, okay, you know, I'm going to give them this egg, but I know they ain't going to do nothing, right. do nothing with it. And, you know, it breaks it. And then it's like, I knew that was what was going to happen. So oh, let me just let me take the rest of my eggs. And right. Let me, let me throw my, my walls right back up. And, you know, to your point, if people make mistakes, that's when the, the discernment that you were mentioning earlier has to come into play yeah. of like, you know, what was the intentionality behind it? Mm -hmm. um, is it something where you guys are actually meant to navigate this space together? Because right. not everybody's for everybody, and, and that's okay. Um, and then decide, making an educated decision based off of um, you know those circumstances, should you give them another egg to try again right. versus, you know, maybe I'm just going to keep my eggs to myself, and, that, and that's okay too. But, you know, we are two things that we have a very difficult time with being held accountable, mm. and how to confront. Mm. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I think about even not only just with other people, but with yourself. Right. Because, you know, when I think about my wellness journey, the self-accountability had to be real. Yes. Because it's nobody that's going along that's feeling the same experience that mm -hmm. you're going through. So only you can acknowledge and do the check-ins and know and truly know the areas that mm -hmm. need to be improved upon. But then you've got to like have that intrinsic motivation to continue on yeah. that journey to make it happen. 
Um, and like we said, progress can sometimes be these ups All and downs. Around. How do you maintain that intrinsic motivation to keep that self-accountability? I think you have to keep filling yourself with mm. something. That's where, whether it's sermons, whether it's positive songs, right. whether it's um, podcasts, mm -hmm. books, whether it's people, whether it's a walk in nature, you, you have to keep filling yourself mm -hmm. so that you have something to draw from. Because I was thinking while you were talking that that take our eggs back, we do to our own selves. Yep. You know, I knew you weren't going to stick to this, mm. you know, and then we're beating ourselves up or then we somehow we find a way to punish ourselves. So you're not getting that dress because I said we wasn't right. buying that. I, we're, right. I'm not buying. I gained 10 pounds, right. so I'm not buying myself any new clothes. Mm. So you walking around all yeah. tied up. Yeah. That's not loving yourself. No. <laughs> and you know what I what I realized in you saying that we walk around so much not trusting ourselves. Right. Because you say. Oh yeah, you know I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to you know. Well, I'll go along with the workout. We'll go. You know I'm gonna do this workout plan. I'm gonna start eating mm -hmm. right. A week goes by and you give up. And if you can't trust yourself for a week, how can you trust anybody else? Nope. You can't. And so you know when I think about this idea of wellness, it it starts internally, right? Mm -hmm. It starts with the self love. It starts with trusting yourself to execute on other things. It goes to, you know, trusting yourself to hold yourself accountable and mm -hmm. to, to stand ten toes in what it is that, you know, you said that you're going to do. Um, so, you know, I think with the basis of this episode kind of giving the people definitions, how do we define self-love? What, what even is that? Self-love. I think that self-love is around acceptance mm. and accepting your strengths and your weaknesses, yeah. your assets and your faults, and understanding that accepting doesn't necessarily mean condoning. Right. Um, yeah. If you, you, I'm struggling to. Um, you can't separate this conversation from some sense of your eternal spiritual self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because at some point there has to be a source of substance. Right. So for me it's difficult to answer the question separating it from understanding your worth as a spiritual being. Then don't. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that that's important. Whatever someone's faith tradition is, whatever mm -hmm. their connection it to the spirit mm -hmm. is, is that you have to start with that you are something of value. Right. And if you've been conditioned not to believe you are, mm -hmm. then you've got to start with reconditioning your, your, yourself, right. you know. But if you, um, if, if, if you would not purposefully kick a cat, why are you going to kick yourself? Yes. You know, if you're going to make sure a, a baby doesn't fall down the steps, right. do that for yourself. Yeah. You know, that's self-love mm -hmm. is, is not living in a space where you are constantly punishing yourself. 
All right. Um, sorry, homies. The mic cut out for us one a second, so we had to hop back into it with some new batteries. But, you know, in thinking about what it is that you were saying about, you know, shouldn't nobody be kicking a cat? Shouldn't nobody <laughs> be kicking a baby, right? Um, you know, I think about it that people tend to treat other people way better than they would treat themselves. And, you know, I think that goes back to that that self-image mm. component that you have of, like, why do you put more value in other people than you ever would in yourself? And I think that's a question that I still ask myself to this day because I am that people pleaser. I am that I love to serve others. Mm. I love to take care of others. Why wouldn't I then do that for myself? Mm. Because if I actually love to serve others just that much, the only way that that's sustainable is for me to be okay. Yes. And so, you know, I think that that moves our conversation into we can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. So how do we live in a space of, of overflow and allowing that to be what we pour into people's cup? Right before I say that, what I was thinking as you were talking is I spent a lot of time uh, working with preschool children. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things you notice is we initially get our sense of worth from how adults around mm -hmm. us respond to us. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if our worth is tied up in getting a good grade, if our worth is tied up in doing, yeah. um, doing good. Your performance. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then you begin to judge your worth mm. by that. Right. Where before, like I said, a baby has worth just because a baby exists. Right. It's not until that baby is five, six, seven, eight, right. that we begin to change the expectation mm. without balancing it. There's a, um, in, in education, there's this thought about teaching people about productive struggle. Mm -hmm. And that if you tell a child you did, you worked hard, yeah. instead of telling them they're so smart, yeah. telling them they worked hard is the better reward. Mm -hmm. Because then you are teaching them that work, hard work is normal right. and it's a part of who, who, who you are. Right. Whereas if you tell them that they're smart, and then they don't do well, then they doubt Question, that they're are smart. They smart? Yeah. And they'll do everything they can to always pretend to be mm. smart when you can always work hard, right? You have to honor the process, not just the product. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, I think we forget to do that, right? Like, I think we, we live in such a society where it's just all about what can you produce, yes. right? As opposed to the process yes. that it takes to produce that thing. Because sometimes that end product, even though you worked really hard in that process, sucks. And that's just the reality of it. But that doesn't make you, you know, a failure. Right. And so, you know, it it made me think about conditional versus unconditional mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you are only looked at of value and all of those things, um, based off of what you perform, you know, that's conditional love. Right. And, you know, I think our our self-love is almost conditional, right? It, it's conditional when I do, I achieve my goals. It's conditional when I make it to the gym. It's conditional when, um, you know, I get that promotion at work. But you have to learn to love yourself Ooh. in those moments where 
it ain't it don't look so good. It's not so sweet. No. Yeah. And even in those moments when you fail. So how do you move from a space of conditional love to unconditional, unconditional love? Unconditional love. I think it is its own process. Mm -hmm. I think that speaking kindly to yourself um giving yourself another chance yeah accepting that you are a whole being mm. and that you're if you are uh, a strong leader there's chances are that there's some faults that come along mm -hmm. with that strong leader mm -hmm. a knife can can cut the potatoes you want to cut right but it can also cut your finger mm -hmm. so the knife is not a bad knife right you know so there's sometimes there's aspects of yourself that um will have some downsides to mm -hmm. them and so i think that helping someone i think you start from your strengths right. i think you start always from a, a strength-based focus and thinking about what do you like about yourself and if all you can like about yourself is that you um, um pick cool fingernail <laughs> polish colors then that's a start right right and you start saying i'm the best fingernail polish picker right. that there is okay yeah and you're like and, I, and i'm that way because i make sure it matches whatever mm -hmm. and so then you start seeing more about yourself that you like right. and the more that you're able to fill yourself up on those things you then have to uh you can't then say as soon as you make a mistake that those now other things thing. aren't true mm -hmm. they can that can be true and you can still be selfish. Right. And I think, you know, it's recognizing the the duality in those two yes. things. Because, you know, I think we're we're so quick to use that that mistake as evidence as to why we're a failure or why we're not this. And it's like, no, you have to recognize the fact that as a human you're fallible. Yes. As a human, you are are like literally our nature is to make mistakes, yeah. is to fail. Um, and that there literally is no human being on this earth that is perfect, that hasn't failed. So why would you expect any differently than yourself? Mm -hmm. And being able to, to just accept that, which is really challenging when we live in a world and a society that cares about how you perform yes. more than, you know, just who you are as an individual and all of those um, unconditional mm -hmm. aspects of it. And so, you know, it, it sounds like to me that wellness is just this journey of self-discovery. Yes. It is this, you know, checking in with self. It is this noticing. It is this learning how to love yourself, learning how to um, unconditionally love mm -hmm. yourself. And, you know, I think the root of that all starts with just noticing and just checking yes. in. So how did you start that for yourself of just like, kind of taking that um, inventory of self to kind of know where you're at to mm -hmm. be able to embark on your wellness journey? Uh, one, uh, two different things pop out to me, and both of them were in my journey as a, um, in the mental health field, and thinking that if I'm going to tell this to somebody else, I need to address it myself. Okay. 
One is um, doing work in the drug and alcohol field mm -hmm. and the 12 steps of AA or NA. And one of them is taking a fearless inventory mm. of yourself. Mm. You know, and so if you're going to talk to other people about taking a fearless inventory, then you got to be willing to take a fearless right. inventory of your own self. And so I think that journey mm. um, of being willing to take a list. If you can't think of them on your own, you can go on Google and right. type in assets and um, deficits, mm. and it'll bring up a list. Right. And go through it and pick some out and, and just accept them and then make a decision. Which ones do I want to make stronger or right. which ones do I want to work on improving? Mm. And then the second was the eight dimensions of wellness. Right. Um, and doing uh, uh, workshops with others on self-care and looking at those dimensions, I needed to be able to be committed to my own self-care mm, right. in that in that process Can't because be yeah, how am I going to talk to somebody else about it? Right. And the truth of it is, um, as you said in the at, at the top, is that when I'm talking about self-care, I'm going to be talking to you about the things that I give myself an A-plus in right. and that I do well consistently. And I'm also going to talk about the things that I suck at or that I just have not had success right. in and be vulnerable enough to say, I'm here talking to you about it, but I'm walking this journey right. myself. Yeah, you know, I think you brought up such a great point of being a wellness professional that a lot of times for me, the homies are my motivation yeah. because, yeah. you know, I sit up here and I, I, I talk a good talk, but I got to walk it. Right. Yes. And I can't be a hypocrite when I'm trying to create this space of wellness mm -hmm. for for the homies out there. I have to actually be engaging yes. in that. So I can be a leader by example and not just a fake leader who's right. talking about it and hoping that the people pick up on it. And, you know, I think um, what you mentioned about having kind of that written inventory is really important. Um, and it leads me, I, I have no intentions of like homies telling you guys this today, but I've been working on an ebook for them called, called What's Really Good oh. um, about how, you know, Typically, when, when I'd be like, yeah, Kim, how you doing today? And you'd be like, I'm good. <laughs> what does that mean? What, what, what does that actually mean? And how many times do we say, I'm good, and you're actually right. not good? Yes. Um, so, you know, in that ebook, we kind of go through each dimension of wellness. And it is kind of that sheet that runs through different mm -hmm. aspects of each of that dimension of wellness. Where you can give yourself a grade of like, is this something you're doing well in? Is it not? Is it something that you need to start because we need to circle back to improve it? Yes. And, you know, I think when we live in that placating world of saying, you know, I I'm good, we ignore a lot of the things that really aren't yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, and we tolerate things and move into a space of complacency because we're just not willing to address mm -hmm. all the different stuff. So it sounds like this wellness journey ain't something that's too easy. It's not. It's not easy, but it's neither is life. Right. You know, <laughs> and the thing of it is is that the wellness journey will actually give you energy. Mm. It will give you the energy to life. Yeah. It will give you the energy to 
um, improve your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your higher power, and your relationship with the people that you are around. Yeah. Um, and one uh, African uh, system of belief is is that I can't be human apart from you. Mm. I need to be in relationship right. with a human being right. to be fully human. Right. You know, so the wellness journey is more about being aware in the journey that you're already on. Right. And the other reality is, is that by nature, we are self-preserving in the, our, 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 our cells are trained to heal each other when something happens. Yeah. Our, uh, you talked about our, our, our um, neurobiological network. Mm -hmm. There's a parasympathetic and a sympathetic. Right. Sympathetic runs with you. If, you. if you're upset, it makes their heart beat mm -hmm. fast. Mm -hmm. And I say the parasympathetic is like the paramedics. Right. They come in after right. that to help you calm back down. Right. So you, you are always naturally looking for that place of homeostasis. Mm -hmm. You know, so all the artificial things we've created in life yeah. often keep us out of kilter. Right. So the wellness journey really is about clearing out all of the other stuff mm. just so that you can be. Right. And I think that that's, that's how you simplify it, right? Yeah. I think when people look at the wellness journey, it's like, ooh, I, you know, I can't do that. That's, yeah. that's too big. That's too overwhelming. And, you know, I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier in the show of, like, you take it one step at a time. Yes. It starts off with just noticing. It starts off with just that one comment of, I'm the best nail polish picker in the whole wide world. And it is just that journey where it's not going to be linear. It's going to be that yes. up and down. And being okay with that, because that's how life is. Yes. Sometimes you got really good days. Sometimes you have some days that ain't so great. But guess what? You still just keep moving forward. So I think to, to simplify for, for y'all homies is that wellness is just a journey. And you just have to be okay with embarking on that journey having the good times, having the bad times, and all the times that are in between, right? It's not just the highs and lows. It's all of those times that are, are in between. I think we did a good job of laying out <laughs> the, the foundations of wellness. I think kind of laying out the terms and, and mm -hmm. giving the people the vocabulary to be able to, to start to articulate yes. themselves as they're going through this, which I'm really happy about. I love getting definitions and, and learning new words. So Homie, hopefully y'all learn some new words and some new vocabulary to be able to to go onto this journey. With that being said, we're gonna move into the next segment of the show. It wouldn't be having a guest on the show if we weren't finding out what's up with Kim Graham. So we're gonna head back over to her to find out a little bit more about the program that she is creating and how we can support her with that. Well, we are uh, the the uh, Trauma Academy Wellness Ambassadors are in the process of uh, launching programs with uh, high school students okay. as well as with their peers. Mm -hmm. I think uh, what folks can do is in their own spaces is look at how you can help young people talk to each other more about their wellness mm -hmm. and connect with programming that can help them to be able 
to do, to do that. Mm. Um, we will, in the next month or so, have much more presence so on social media, both on Instagram mm -hmm. and on Facebook. We mm -hmm. do have uh, pages up. We Got just it. need to get them populated right. and uh, functioning uh, strongly. Um, so that's that. That would be helpful for the ambassadors. Absolutely. So, homies, I will make sure down the show notes to have links to all of those things um, so that you guys can get connected um, and have the opportunity to, you know, be able to support this program and be a part of th these conversations because really all that it is is it's one conversation at a time, right? Mm -hmm. We take it one step at a time. So with that being said, y'all, we got to drop a gem. We got to make sure that Y'all are not leaving here without a resource that you guys are going to be able to engage in, purchase, do all the things with. So I believe you had a book yes. that you wanted to share with the homies that yes. was impactful for you. Uh, the book is called My Grandmother's Hands. Mm -hmm. It's by Resma Menicum, R-E-S-M-A-A-M-E-N-I-K-E-M. And the book is about how we carry trauma, intergenerational mm. trauma in our bodies. Right. So for example, you're, you're in the um, department store and you have this feeling that someone is following you mm. around. They may not be following you around or not, but the feeling of it creates tensions, sensations right. in right. your body. How do you manage that? Right. It also deals with that that um, intergenerational trauma uh, is not just held by um, African Americans, mm -hmm. that it affects whites Everybody. as well. Mm -hmm. And he also deals a lot with, the um, for those interested in understanding dynamics around police and mm -hmm. um, police um, navigating, it talks about their trauma oh, as wow. well. Yeah. And each chapter ends with uh, practices that people can learn how to navigate that um, tension, like you get a um, microaggression while you're in a staff meeting yeah. and you can feel your blood boiling, what can you do to navigate that mm. so that you don't gaslight yourself and tell right. yourself you didn't hear it? Right, because you did. Right, but now what are you going to do with all right. of that so that you can continue about your day? I love that. That's going to definitely have to be a book that I, I tap into um, because how we carry that trauma mm -hmm. is a, a huge part of yes. our wellness journey. Um, and to be able to release those things to then enter a new space of what being yes. well actually means. Um, homies, you know, with that being said, it's time to walk it like we talk it. Over here, we don't just talk the talk, we gotta walk the walk. And so that means I'm gonna be giving y'all a little homework assignment, a little little something to engage in the things that we talked about. And I think we spent a lot of time today giving you guys our definitions of wellness, of self-care, of vulnerability, and all of those kinds of things. And based off of that, I want you to grab your journal, grab your pencil, your pen, your markers, your crayons, whatever it is that you like <laughs> to write with. And I want you to write out what your definition of wellness is. It doesn't have to align with ours, right? It can be something that is personal to you, but taking kind of what we laid the foundation with, running with it, and outlining what that looks like for you so that you can 
understand where you got to go because mm-hmm. you can't start on a journey if you don't know what the destination is. So to help you kind of illuminate what that destination will look like for you, I want you to write out that definition, make a story post, you know, to post me, tag me in your um, Instagram and your Facebook stories. I want to know what your definition of wellness is so that I can, I might learn something from y'all just like I hope that they learned something from us yes. today. And with that being said, that, this is the show. We did, <laughs> we, we did that, homies. I, I hope y'all are leaving. You know, feel like y'all learned something. I learned something. I always learn something when I, when I talk to you. Um, so I'm happy that we had the I opportunity to engage with one another and dive into this nitty-gritty, homies. And as we embark on the journey of this podcast together, this is what we're going to be doing. This is, you know, we're going to be having those real, raw conversations where you guys get to get into the nitty-gritty, learn how to be vulnerable, learn what wellness and engaging in that really is. And with that being said, who wants to go on a journey by themselves? Right. Nobody. So what I need y'all to do is I need y'all to, to, to bring a homie with y'all, invite them to the table because there's a seat for everybody over here at this podcast. So find your friend, your cousin, your brother, Pookie down the street and listen to this podcast. Have a conversation, have a dialogue about, you know, what wellness looks like in you guys' worlds. Um, and if you guys learn something, I need to like, comment, subscribe, show us a little bit of love down in the, the comments. Because like I said, we fa- we're family over here, and we need to feel the love, so y'all better act like we family. Um, but with that being said, homies, until next time, always remember that I love you. I'm so proud of you. You can absolutely do hard things, and you are literally the coolest 